I was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. The minute I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old, boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the RTE Sport podcast that explores how elite athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say that my guest is Olympic silver medalist Annalise Murphy. Annalise, thank you so much for joining me. Um, first of all, just how are you? How's life? How's things? Um, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, life is good. It's hectic. Um, I'm currently in uh, Trinity doing an MBA which is a bit of a shock to the system. I uh, I think I'd maybe started to realise I put so much effort into sailing so that I wouldn't have to go and study. <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's kind of, it's nice to do something that's very different, even though it's uh, quite challenging for me. And um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, trying to figure out, figure out life and what I'm going to do with myself. <laughs> That must be so hard. Like when you've been doing pretty much the same thing for such a long time, something that consumes probably nearly every thought that you have to not having to do that anymore. Yeah, I think when I was like sailing and Olympic sailing, I just had this goal. Like I probably was like, you know, maybe like overly obsessed with it. But like I just I knew that I had a purpose every day. And even like when I had like unmotivated days. I still knew that I had what I had to do. I was like, I could always get the like the training done because it was just even, you know, I didn't enjoy it all the time, but like it just was, it was my job and I had a routine and yeah. And I was, I had this goal of the Olympics or you know, smaller goals of you know, world championships and European championships to look forward to. Um, well, and also it was something that I wasn't good at it all the time, but like, in, in general, I would be I was good at good at sailing and good at training, and then I've gone I've started this masters and I'm like not particularly good at studying. Um, and people are like, oh, you know, you must be very disciplined and have very good time management and really just be able to throw yourself into anything. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, I'm sure I will be able to. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like. You know, I have had six weeks to write an essay and I'm there like two hours before it's due. Like, what am I even going to write about? <laughs> um, so I've discovered that like I actually definitely um, perform better under uh, extreme time pressure when it comes to uh, studying and writing essays. But um, I think the the one thing that I do like about it is that it's given me a really good routine. Like I started at the start of September and I was really disappointed after the Olympics. But then I ended up so busy with this and you know, I was in, had to be in college at nine o'clock every day. So it just gave me this really good routine. And um, I probably would have just been a bit sad without it because I would have just had so much time to think. But it kind of just kicked me out of sort of feeling sorry for myself after the games. And I was just so busy. I didn't really realize and, you know, kind of everything had happened. And then it was Christmas time. And it was probably only when the Winter Olympics were back on there that I started to like, you know, seeing athletes that like things weren't going right for them. And I sort of started to feel like a kind of bad feeling again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, it must be though, like from uh, a fitness point of view, just be so different to training all the time to 
not having to train unless you want to. Yeah. Um, I think I haven't, I, I don't know if I've, I've, I think sometimes athletes either go one way or the other. They like just either keep on training and keep up all their fitness stuff or they just are like, I'm never training again. And I've definitely kind of kept up my fitness stuff. Um, I like, I've done loads of cycling. So I knew I wanted to do the cycling national championships back in uh, the end of September. So that kind of, after the Olympics, I kind of kept on, kept up my sort of fitness for another, whatever, eight weeks, because I knew I wanted to do well at those, uh, the cycling national championships. Um, I ended up, I actually had COVID while I was doing them and I couldn't understand why I felt so bad. <laughs> I was warming up and I go, my lungs are really burning. <laughs> I think, I think it must be cold today. <laughs> right, everyone was like, looking at me like, Geez, she's talking very weird, but didn't really think much of it. But um, yeah, I ended up then like kind of, Turns out you shouldn't do like a max effort time trial with COVID. I like took myself out for about two weeks after that. Um, but uh, it was still, I've kind of, then I like kind of lost quite a lot of fitness while I had, uh, while I was sick. But um, I was quite good at just like slowly getting a bit of fitness back. And um, and then I um, decided to enter the Seville Marathon with my brother and my brother-in-law, Niall. And um <laughs> we kind of that was kind of then like a new goal to start sort of plugging away for that a bit <laughs> so how do you just decide to enter a marathon like well, did it just come up in conversation had you been doing any bit of running or was it something maybe that you always wanted to do um I don't know if, I don't know if I actually ever wanted to do a marathon because they're really hard well like <laughs> I, I I actually had no idea how hard or how I, I, I had no idea how it was going to be and um, I hadn't done like hardly any running for like the previous four years because I'd got a knee injury but then I also discovered that like cycling takes up a huge amount of time like if you want to go for like a good endurance cycle it's like four hours of your day gone and <laughs> I was kind of with like sort of winter creeping up and the days getting darker I was discovering I wasn't having so much time to do that so I was like oh I'm going to start running a little bit again and then my brother and my brother-in-law, they were like, oh yeah, we'd love to do, they'd already done a marathon. They were like, we'd love to do another one. And I was like, Seville's, it's really flat. There's a direct Ryanair flight there. Let's do that. <laughs> so that was kind of how it happened. But um, I was then the only one of us who kind of trained. I, like I wasn't doing much, but I was like chipping away up to Christmas and they just did nothing. And um, then poor Niall actually ended up getting injured when he did train, so he couldn't do the marathon. But then my brother, who's some kind of freak of nature, basically did very little training as far as I could tell was just like having a great time out having pints <laughs> and he ended up beating me by 12 minutes no way disgusted. Oh. I was running with him and I just he just kept on getting like a little bit further ahead and then I could see his head bobbing into the distance so um uh they're really hard though I don't know how so many people do them I was like <laughs> running along and I was like this is terrible like I'm not getting a buzz here <laughs> I did one in 2008 in Dublin and a bit like you it was just so hard like if I hadn't people to meet along the way like like as in I knew that my uh, friends were going to be at different points I don't think I would have actually finished it it was just like okay get to this one get to the next one have a few jellies you know just trying to distract myself but it's just so long and I wasn't fit enough and I, I barely finished but um no desire to ever do one again like it's a major box ticked and that's about it I I, I feel exactly the same I'm like <laughs> I also I'm like really hoping that I don't that all my toenails don't fall off because they feel very <laughs> funny I'm just like they'll be fine they'll be fine I'm just yeah. like, I'll look at them <laughs> oh god it's a it's 
Jeez, I always admire the people, though, that are doing them all the time, like all year round. It's amazing. Um, OK, let's get into our set questions. Annalise. Yeah. And I'm going to take you down memory lane for a little bit. And I'm going to start with your earliest memory of sport. Um, so I, my mum went to the, the 1988 Olympics in Seoul. So from a very young age, I remember just uh, like you know, we knew what the Olympics were. Like I, I'd say how my mum went to the Olympics and we'd always be, mum and dad, they'd always be packing their boat up and things like that. So I kind of, they're kind of my memories of like sailing from a very young age. But then my first like memory of the Olympics were the Atlanta Olympics. And my mum was very excited um, making us get up in the middle of the night to watch Michelle Smith swim. Um, and it was like that was my first memory of the Olympics as like a six-year-old was that <laughs> mum was waking me up in the middle of the night to be like we have to watch the TV now I was like okay didn't really know what was going on yeah I actually do that with my kids now if there's something major on like if Katie Taylor is fighting I'm like I don't care if you're tired you're sitting down there in the couch now and you're watching this fight because this is amazing and these are going to be things people are going to be talking about in 20 and 30 years and you can say that you watch them and it's really important that you do this and they have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about and will never remember but I am um, I'm a bit like that I always feel that let's let's include them bring them in so what about heroes then like it was amazing first of all that you had your mom like geez like what an experience and um what an honor to have your mom there to just look to and see her as a role model because as you know when we were younger Olympics aside like there was very 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 few <laughs> women on television doing any kind of sport yeah um yeah sure like that's um my mom was just she's one of these people as well who just you know if anyone says she can't do something she's like uh why can't I do it and just goes and does it anyway um so and she'd always have been whatever like I'm, I'm the middle middle child but like whenever my sister or brother would say or myself would say we want to do anything she was always the one that was like yeah go for it even if it was like you know crazy ideas and we were never going to succeed at it she never um she never would say something was a bad idea she'd always kind of let us give it a shot and um, so having her kind of growing up was it was a big influence and she was she also she gave up so much for time like driving us all over the place to like I tried every sport. I, I honestly, I thought I was going to be like, I don't know, you know, I wanted to be like a, an amazing hockey player and tennis player and runner. And like, I was very average to like bottom of the pack, but I like probably got like a hundred percent for effort and all. <laughs> Rio, like, let's, let's, let's look at that for a sec. So like, clearly you can, um, you can compete at the top level in, in one sport and a lot of the attributes that athletes have, I'm sure, are transferable to the different sports. So what was it like? How, how come that, that you were so good at sailing, but then average at other things? It's I find it fascinating. Um, I don't even know if I was that good at sailing, actually. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, um, I did quite a bit of horse riding when I was younger as well. Um, so I love that. Um, and I was just doing, I was, did loads of different sports, but didn't, I don't think I really took anything hugely seriously until I actually got very serious about sailing when I was probably 15 or 16. But up until that point, I was just like kind of doing everything. But yeah, I was, I was kind of, I obviously should have realized this sooner that I'm like just naturally an endurance athlete. Like 
I'd try and sprint and I just like, I have no explosive power. But like when you're a kid, you don't like, you don't realize this. I'm just like, why is everyone so much faster than me? I just don't understand it. But then like, I'd also wouldn't get tired at all. You know, I could like keep on going all day long. But if there was like any kind of uh, like sort of sprint running, I'd just be like a snail, just basically like crawling along. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think, I, I, I guess in a way, like, I, like my, my, like my parents, they never pushed us at all to, to like do like to do sport it was just if we wanted to do it great and like they want they were still sailing all the time as well so like a lot of the time they just be like come on we're going we're going off to the national championships and um, you guys can go and entertain yourself like in the field while we go off sailing or whatever so it was yeah it was I just like I never I like I wasn't I didn't grow up thinking I was going to be an athlete or an Olympian or I just was purely doing sport because I liked liked being outside. I liked pe- meeting people. Loved having the chats. Like loved <laughs> making friends. So that was kind of a that was kind of I think sort of my childhood. It wasn't like oh yes, she's definitely going to be good at sport. It was probably like she's she's not very good at anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It really is. So what did you try? Like what were you playing? What were the ones that you were interested in? Um, so I played loads of basketball when I was younger, which you think I'd be good at because mm-hmm. I'm so tall, but I don't think I was particularly good at basketball. Like, I think I was just, again, average. Like, all my friends who were smaller than me were definitely better than I was. Um, and then I played loads of hockey when I was in secondary school. Again, absolutely loved it. And but like, and I tried so hard, but like I was the captain of the minor C team. We did win the Leinster League <laughs> of the minor Cs. Um, but like, so I like, try so hard and loved like organizing the whole team and like get got everyone like t-shirts with their names on it first but like we were in the sea league like there was and I, the school I was in was really good at hockey like there was you know there was the A's and the B's ahead of us and <laughs> um, uh, I played a lot of tennis as well again I've actually taken it up again and now that I'm um, that I have uh, that I'm in Trinity I go and play a bit of tennis but um, again I was like you know, grand at us, but like in no way going to be ever be any good at it. Um, I did quite a lot of cross country running again, just like <laughs> middle of the pack. Um, and yeah, I'd sailed a lot with my parents when I was younger, but I didn't do my first sort of like a sailing course where you get taught how to sail until I was 11, which is actually quite old for sailing. Most of the times kids get, they'll start, they'll do their first summer sailing course when they're like six or seven. And so I was actually quite a bit behind, but like straight away I was um my mum and dad they bought me an optimist which is this it's like a small really small little boat for it's for under 15 year olds and I loved the boat like I literally be there like with fairy liquid and a sponge like washing it after every sail like it was a pet Uh, oh yeah yeah (laughs) like I'd put all the covers on it every day like like I, I like it was like my baby the and I did my first sailing course and like absolutely loved it um just loved, I think, just being out on the water. Like, you know, when you, you're given your own boat and you're just able to steer around and do whatever you want, like it's it's a whole different sort of sense of freedom when you're a kid to, to actually be able to be like, I could just go off wherever I want now. Like, <laughs> go to and America. Like, <laughs> and the, the brilliant thing about actually learning to sail in Dublin is like Dunleary Harbour is this like perfect place for kids to learn to sail because you just like, it's big enough that you can like, you know, learn how to sail properly, but it's also so safe. Like you're, you know, surrounded by walls. You're never going to end up drifting off out to sea somewhere. So, um, yeah, I loved, like when I first started to learn to sail myself, absolutely loved it. And 
um, I kind of then just started thinking that I was like, oh, I really want to go to the world championships and all this kind of stuff. But didn't realize that there was like so many other kids that were way better than me. And had also been sailing their optimists for like since they were like six or seven. So like a five year head start on me as well. Um, and also optimists, they're designed for small children. And I was pretty much by the time I was like 13, I wasn't, wasn't far off the same height I am now. So I, I grew the boat in about two years time. So when you did do the sailing course and, and you got your, your little boat, were you good at it straight away? Like you had been out with your parents a bit and were probably really comfortable and familiar with everything that you needed to do. But did you have talent for sailing? Like, can you can you see that? Can I say that? Um, I don't know. Like, I probably, for, for I picked it up very quickly. For, I, I learned things quite quickly, but I still was, I'd still, when I'd go to compete, I was quite far behind the other kids that were my age because they'd been doing, like, specifically sailing the boat for so much longer than I had. Um, you know, I'd go there thinking, I'd be like, oh, I, like, and I, and I loved it. Um, I think that was probably, that was probably the thing. Like, I loved going sailing, which makes a huge difference. Like, I, I wanted to go out. I wanted to go out in the water. And then I had, like, a couple of great, like, sailing instructors that you know, really helped me out when I was younger. They maybe saw something in me, you know, like they they kind of pushed me to try and get better and learn how to, you know, sort of like there's all the different points of sailing. Like it's quite complicated and you just need to kind of figure it out when you're younger, you know, how the, how the wind works. So it was, um, it wasn't really, I think I got, so I got into a laser 4.7, which is the same boat I sailed at the Olympics, but just with a much smaller sail when I was 13 and that was like I suddenly just started making huge improvements like from then on like once I got into the laser I just was like found the boat that it was like it was a better size for me like and I just loved it and then actually the group my group of friends that have been very good in sort of optimist sailing and the junior sailing stuff I caught up with them really quickly then when they all started moving to the laser and um and then from there I just <laughs> I just know, just like, yeah, I just loved it. And mum would drive all three of us, mum and dad would drive all three of us all around till the events all around Ireland. There's like a, you know, Leinster's, Munster's, Connacht's and Ulster's and the national championships every year. So they'd have the boats on the trailer and they'd, uh, they'd drive us around. Um, they actually ended up getting a camper van in 2005. Mm-hmm. And um, then we'd they'd be able to tow the boats and then we'd all go to all the events all over Ireland. And then even at that stage, my sister and myself started competing at sort of European championships and events around Europe. So they'd, uh, we'd drive to Europe in the camper van and, you know, my sister would be sailing and my mum, my brother and my dad would be off like, I don't know, on holidays <laughs> watching on the beach <laughs> while we were sailing. Oh, it sounds pretty amazing. So like when you're, when you were starting to compete, like what was the training like? How many hours did you have to to do? What kind of training did you do? Yeah, um, like when I was younger, it was just like sailing on the weekends and sailing during the winter. That's something that takes a bit of time to get used to. Just gets a bit cold during the winter. Yeah. But again, I guess my mum and dad, they really helped. They did a lot of sort of help with organizing the sort of junior racing series in Dublin Bay during the winter time. So 
there'd be one kind of from September to Christmas and then another one after Christmas as well. And that would be every Saturday you'd go out and you'd race either inside the harbour or maybe just outside the harbour. And then when I was 15, I got onto the, the like Irish Sailing Youth Academy. And then I started getting much more sort of structured training. Like we'd have coaches and the, they actually hired Rory Fitzpatrick as the youth coach in to the end of 2005. And I just started uh, transition year in school. So I then would go sailing every Wednesday afternoon after school and I'd go sailing on the weekends. And then like all of the like midterms and Christmas, I'd be training and, um, and yeah, having, having the, I think Irish sailing, hiring a full-time coach for, for the sort of youth squad that like, that's probably what changed my sort of my sailing career is Rory, he lives in Dunleary and, you know, he was the one who wanted to make sure that we were getting out training all the time and sure, you know, and I was like, you know, I love getting out in the water. So I just wanted to go sailing as much as possible. And that was like the transition year was a big year for me because I was able to do a lot more sailing than I normally would have. And I made like big improvements that year. And that was when I kind of started being like, oh, you know, I want to go to the Youth World Championships and I want to, you know, try and do this and that. So it was, uh, yeah, from that kind of point, like you like look at things that probably, you know, are the reason why you ended up doing what you do. And Rory being hired as as the youth coach when and I was just I think I was also just in the right place at the right time you know that's so so much of it can come down to luck like my sister who was a few years older didn't have that opportunity that I had and and then also then Rory ended up agreeing to he came on and started coaching me full-time as like as my like as a personal coach in 2010 and ended up coaching me up until (laughs) the Olympics there in uh in Tokyo so it's, uh, you know, sometimes I think you just kind of land on your feet with things. So I definitely had like a bit of luck with those kind of things. Yeah. You have to think that sometimes things are just meant to be though as well, you know, that it was, you were meant to, to cross paths and go on the journey that you did. So what were you working on? So when you were a young athlete, like what kind of things did you have to do? What was the, the like, what was the the training that you needed to improve on or the area of your game as we call it, um, that you had to work on to, to get better at most? Yeah, so in sailing, it's it's such an experienced sport that you just need to do as much time in the water as possible because the only way you learn is by sort of being in a situation and then you learn, okay, that's, you know, what to do or what not to do. So loads of time in the water and in sailing, um, like sort of boat handling is a big part of it. So being able to do really good maneuvers, tacks and jibes, changing direction. And these are just like, drills that you can do over and over again you know you don't even you don't need that many other people or starting practice is another really important one being able to have your boat sitting still like not moving and then accelerating really quickly off start line with like a countdown watch and there's like all of that kind of side of things and then I guess like while I was in school because I was also playing hockey and tennis and trying to do cross-country running and stuff I was actually quite fit anyway yeah. So I wasn't doing too much, but I started doing a strength and conditioning program twice a week uh, when I was about 15 or 16, just like, which I didn't realize that, but, you know, at the time I didn't really think anything of it. I just, I'd go in and I'd do a session with, there'd be probably, I don't know, three or four other sailors and we'd go and we'd do our little weight session and, uh, 
like you know, go on, go off. It'll be there. I do like I think one at like seven a.m. before school on a on a I don't know Wednesday, and then Monday evenings I do one after school. So it was. Uh, I think that's probably made a huge difference to like not getting too many injuries when I got older. It was just having a really good base from when I was younger, and then just yeah, kind of general just fitness and stuff. I started taking it more seriously as. Yeah, sort of 16, 17, 18, started trying to do sort of fitness training on top of my sailing training because up until then I was just sailing was kind of the thing, you know, I sailed and then I did all my other hobbies and sports. Um, but yeah, actually specific fitness training I started kind of coming into it. Um, and also actually Kate Kirby, who's my sports psychologist, um, she was doing her master's in sports psychology at the time. She actually sailed when she was younger. And so she came away to a few events with us. And um, from when I was 16, I still have like my notebooks and I have notes of all the stuff that Kate was like getting me to do. Like I was absolutely terrible. Like I went, we went off to Germany and like, you know, I don't know, I had so much cash that was meant to last me for, you know, my food and my drinks and stuff like that. And I got my entry fee for the event. And I saw this pair of jeans and I was like, I really want this pair of jeans. So I bought the pair of jeans and then I had no money to have any food for the rest of the week. So it was like, literally had enough money to buy like one loaf of bread and some ham and cheese. Like I was just having like ham and cheese sandwiches every day for about a week. But then in my notes, I have like, in case it's like, know how to manage, you know, you manage your money and that you don't end up that you have to have ham and cheese sandwiches every day for a week. But uh, like she, even like from then, like I have all the like, you know, importance of like having goals and, even simple things like uh, events, like on the morning of your event that you're like really organized with, you know, your equipment and your your food for the day and your drinks and your like your sort of list of times, like knowing, you know, I need to be out of bed at this time and I need to be at the sailing club at this time and I need to sign out and I need to do this and that. And they were like skills that like, you know, at the time you don't even realize that you're learning them, but then it was actually something that I was always used for you know, I was very good at, even, I don't think I really came across as that organized, but I had everything organized in my head. I knew, you know, I'd have a list of everything I knew I had to do. And that was probably from just like when I was a 16 year old, just Kate being like, at least you can't spend all your money on a pair of jeans and then not have any food the rest of the week. It's so funny, Annalise, because you're, the personality that you put out, it just doesn't really fit with what you actually are behind the scenes because you're you, you're so relaxed and so um, kind of so bubbly and you know it seems like nothing really phases you or bothers you and you know you could deal with any situation but behind it all you have everything lined up in a row you know exactly what you're doing at all times so it's um, it's just it's just really interesting being or being in your company and then hearing actually everything that you do because like from chatting to you, you're so nonchalant about everything that I wouldn't even think that you would be so organized and so dedicated. Yeah, it's um, I think I always come across as I'm just like, Asher, that'll be grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I never, I'd also never really like have complained about how much training I do. Mm. Like, there's a lot of athletes who are like, oh, I'm doing so much training, and I don't, I never really talked about like, you know, I trained more than like anyone else in the squad, like. I was like I always did I like I felt like I did more than everything but I never really like 
complained about it or went on about mm-hmm. it. So then I think people just thought that I didn't train. And then they'd like, I know we do like fitness testing and like, I'd get like power numbers that would be like, I'd be able to be like an elite cyclist. And people would be like, I didn't know that you did this much training, Annalise. <laughs> so I'd be like, I just don't talk about it all the time. Um, I think I'm quite like mathematical about things as well. And I have like a really good, I have a terrible memory for some things, but like a really good memory for other things. So I just, I'll always, I'll always be doing stuff without really even thinking about it. And then I have everything organized and then someone will be like, oh, what are we doing this? I'm like, oh, don't worry, I've got that all done. They're like, when did you do this? I was like, oh, no, just kind of, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really get stressed. Like, yeah, I occasionally get like a little bit stressed, but in general, I'm just kind of, kind of cruising along and. That's it. Like even listening to you talking there about, the people that you had around you, like having a sports psychologist at so young, like doing S and C before school when you were um, in transition, you're you're so casual about everything. But like they're all really big things that um, a lot of other people would see as being a big deal and make a big deal about it. But you're just like, yeah, that's the way it was, and that's what I did. But they were obviously really important and building blocks in for what you're able to achieve in the future. Yeah, I think it was just I never. I think like I I, do, I think I just I did everything but I never got too overwhelmed by it yeah and um and I think because I, I enjoyed it most mostly as well like you know that made it like it makes it much easier like I I love training like I, I like training more than I like competing and that would nearly be a problem for me that like you know I'd always like show up for training and I'd want to do extra and and then like it would actually come to events and that would be the only time where we'd be like oh like can we not just go and do another training camp (laughs) oh brilliant so Annalise was there like a moment where you thought okay like I can make it to the top here that you know I can be elite that I belong at this level um I think I like I would be very good at like knowing what was going on and like I knew like where all the events were like how to qualify for the Olympics so I knew in 2007, I was only 17, but I knew that the uh, first sort of qualifiers for the Beijing Olympics were the World Championships in Cascais in Portugal. And like, I didn't deserve to be going at all. Like I didn't have any like senior world ranking or anything, but I just like, I knew all the websites and like, I'd always be, you know, just kind of like in the background finding stuff out. <laughs> and um, I just went online and I applied for a place for my sister and myself to go to it even though like like we didn't have the world ranking to go to to be allowed to go but there's a certain amount of spots and then they kind of like give like certain really wild card spots mm-hmm. and um they ended up giving us giving my sister and myself a wild card spot and uh like then James O'Callaghan our like performance director he's like he like I think he got called me up or maybe my mom up and he was like how come the girls are entered into the, the worlds? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he was like, they're entered. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I found I found a loophole and I entered us. So then um, there's this like paddock. It's like, okay, we're going to get to go to the Senior World Championships and, um, you know, who are we going to stay with? And like, you know, we're trying to do everything on this like extreme budget. So then actually uh, one of the members in, uh, in our yacht club in Dunleary, his daughter lived out in uh, Cascais, Geraldine, and she ended up uh, putting up with my sister and myself while we were out there. Um, She's like, you still like, you know, you kind of have these memories and like people, that's one of like my big memories is how 
sound people have been to me over my entire career. Like, you know, putting me up, looking after me, like all over the world. And Irish people are amazing at, even if it's like, even if you don't know them at all, or it's a really loose connection, people are just so great at just like looking after you. And like, I basically feel like I have all these extra like family members all over the world now from like all the people I've stayed with <laughs> over the years. But um, and we went to these uh, world championships and my sister had actually broken her ribs just beforehand. By she'd stood up on a chair to see how what the wind looked like over the harbour wall. But the chair, one of the legs had broken off it and someone had just stuck the leg back in underneath. So basically the chair just fell and she landed and like broke her ribs. So she was in so much pain, but I was just like, you're going to be grand, Claude. Don't worry about it. And um, we ended up actually, we both did really well. We were, my sister actually made the gold feet and um, then I finished, I was like seventh in the silver fleet, I think. So it was like, that was pretty cool. Just like, that was my first experience. So I was like, people are qualifying for the Olympics and it suddenly became like, real even though I'd had a couple of really good races I'd had a couple of races sort of in the like high teens as well so when you're racing it's like no it's 100 and there's 130 people entered or something like you know an 18th or a 19th is a really big deal you're like oh my god <laughs> I'm in like the very top of the fields and um and then that summer I uh I did quite well I finished 10th at the youth world championships I was actually fifth going into the last day and I'd never been, I'd never been doing that well at an event. And I was so nervous that I went out on the last day and I had a terrible last day <laughs> and dropped down to 10th. But it was still like, that was still a huge result for me to like actually be, you know, at the top of the, and sailing, it's like, it's a sport where there's, there's a huge amount of competitors. It's um, particularly in the laser class, it's, there's, there's a quarter of a million lasers in the world. So there's a lot of people sail lasers. And um, like a tenth at a youth worlds was a big deal for me. Um, I was, I was pretty kind of excited about it and very motivated. And I was then going into sixth year, and it was like trying to take things a bit serious, more serious study. But I really wasn't. I was just like <laughs> all I wanted to do was go sailing all the time. Like any opportunity that I have, I'd be like, oh yeah, I have to go training. And um, I uh, then um, the world championships and sort of the last qualifier for the Beijing Olympics were on in New Zealand in April 2008 and that was like whatever two months before my leaving start <laughs> and I don't know how like I think it was I'm like it's really good having an older sister that's like very good at like persuading and manipulating your parents because I wasn't that good at like kind of you know if they'd say no I'd be like yeah okay well she just wouldn't really take no for an answer and uh the two of us went off to New Zealand and uh, did the World Championships. And that was like seeing, I was like, that was sort of then and there. I was like, yeah, I want to go to the Olympics. Like I knew I wasn't going to be going to the Beijing Olympics. Like I knew like I was nowhere near good enough, but um, I was able to do the Senior World Championships and kind of see like all the emotions of people that were getting selected. And then I did the Youth World Championships the week after and I finished fifth at them. So it kind of made me realize I was like yeah I'm actually I'm up there you know I'm not yeah I'm not that bad and then um I came home and sure like I think all my teachers were just like what is this girl at <laughs> I was like don't worry I'm gonna be grand in the leaving search I know loads I'd be very good like I'd be really good at paying attention in class mm -hmm. but not so good at the extra study on top of that so I kind of just had like 
a basic knowledge, but not actually the real knowledge you need to, to yeah. do really well. I know what you mean. So what yeah. about setbacks then, Annalise? Because they, everybody has setbacks. There is, yeah. well, very, maybe one or two people said they didn't have setbacks, but um, the majority of the people who've appeared on this podcast have had setbacks. What for you was the biggest setback that you had to overcome? Um, yeah, I feel like I've had way more setbacks <laughs> than, than, um, than like good stuff. I think like when I was sort of 19, 20, 21, I found that I was actually like improving all the time. But then I, my confidence could so easily be knocked and I just get so upset. Like, I think I just, I, I wanted to do well so badly and maybe it actually came quite easily for me to do well when mm-hmm. I was that age. And then when it wouldn't go well, I'd just be like, it's all over. This is, this is terrible. Why am I doing this? And um, that was like working with Kate during that period helped me a lot, just kind of try and control my emotions and be able to understand the difference between sort of rational fears and complete irrational fears. And, um, but like they're all kind of, I think they're all still learning things. And like the London Olympics was obviously set back because I like, you know, I still have nightmares about there's sort of two races, uh, like not so much the last race because I just, I was so nervous, but there was two races during the series that I could have done much better in. And I kind of still look back to them and I don't know, I was just, you know, young and nervous and, mm-hmm. But then I don't know, I might still do the same mistakes now. <laughs> um, uh, but probably like my like biggest sort of setback was in 2015, I went to the Olympic test event and I just, I don't know, I was completely like burnt out. I was, I just, I put so much pressure on that the only way my life was going to be good was if I won an Olympic medal. And it suddenly, it seemed so far away. I just felt like I'd, I didn't even feel like in training, I'd do really well. And then we'd just go to race and I'd do badly. And I couldn't understand it. And in my mind, I was like, it's not that I've got worse. I was like, just everyone else has got better. The, like the level has moved on. Or, and I went to the Olympic test event and I finished last in it. Like last, last. And the harder I tried, the worse I'd do in races. I couldn't even, like, I, I couldn't even understand it. I was like, how am I just... And like, like I was like the first sort of few days I was upset. And then like, I just kind of like came to accept that I was going to come last in every race. And um, yeah, it was, it was really like, it was horrible. It, like it was definitely the like most miserable week of my life. <laughs> but then I also got to the end of the week and I realized, you know, I'm still the same person. I still, you know, my family still love me. I still have great friends. Like Rory, my coach, he still wants to coach me. <laughs> like it's not, um, you know, it isn't actually. It, it it like it wasn't fun, but I think it was a big lesson in the Olympics. They're not they're not going to d- decide who you are as a person, and it kind of made me be able to sort of just take the pressure off myself a bit. And then I spent the next year really trying to work on what I knew would help me in the in the Rio Olympics and then but I also it took took that pressure off where I was like it doesn't matter if I win a medal if I win a medal great but I'm probably not going to win one because I've just come last so <laughs> like, if I can come second last at the Olympics it's great 
Um, and I think that was, uh, it was like a huge setback, but then it helped me kind of put everything into perspective as well. So a good life lesson along the way too. So when you think of all the people that you've encountered along the way in your career, coaches, your parents, friends, who had the biggest impact on your career? Um, probably, well, definitely my parents because they just, they've, you know, they've always just supported me and they've been able to give me such good advice. Like even advice about the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> I had... My dad ended up actually coaching my mum at the Olympics. Not because like they didn't like meet. He wasn't her coach and they met at the Olympics. Just like they had no money and they were like, he was like, I'll go and coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but they had that experience of, you know, being able to tell you like at the Olympics, it's not going to be perfect, but things are going to go wrong. And it's how you deal with those things that go wrong that you know, decides if you're going to actually have a good Olympics or a bad Olympics. Like I nearly destroyed my boat uh, the first day I got it at the London Olympics, sort of like a week before racing was going to start. And I was like about to start freaking out. And then I was like, no, they've prepared for me for this. They said things are going to go wrong and you just have to accept them. And I was like, I was like, it's just a bit scratched. It'll be fine. Like, I don't know, it was, I think it was fine. Like I won the first four races, but obviously wasn't that slow with all the extra scratches. But um, then, and then, yeah, I guess Rory, like I, I have like, I don't know if I'm like, like Rory, Kate and Mark McCabe, my physio sort of and strength and conditioning coach. Like I basically had these three people that have been with me from when I was sort of 16 to now. And it's been, they've all kind of shaped me as an athlete and a person. And I think I probably also, you know, had a big influence on their life because I've spent so much time with them. But I guess Rory, like, he, you know, he, he put in just as much effort into trying to help me do well as, as I did. You know, he gave up, you know, he was abroad all the time, you know, not at home, like traveling around the world, you know dealing with me being emotional about doing badly and you know kind of the like big sort of emotional highs and lows of uh, of competing and yeah it's and then you know we definitely like we also had like a lot of arguments over the years as well but you then you come like the whole way around to now where we're just like great friends and like went on this massive sort of journey for you know 15 years <laughs> Um, to try and uh, you know to try and do well at Olympic sailing um, and it's yeah it's just I think it's the people that like you know you end up just you know they want you to succeed and and you just get on with them so it's uh, they're the ones that end up having the biggest biggest influence on you. Yeah well you've had great people around you anyway that's one thing that's really coming through in, in this interview the the support systems that you had in the environment which is pretty amazing so when you think about performances and even like when you look back to when you were a kid growing up and dreaming of one day um going to an olympics or world championships is there one performance that you think right well that's the type of sailor that i wanted to be that's the type of of race that i wanted to be in um yeah i think like <laughs> I always daydream about how I want to perform. Like I dream about how I want to win races and 
like I think I also probably like I think about things that like like should be like impossible you know know, there's no way that I could ever do that but I just like I don't know like fantasized about them that I was going to do it and then sometimes it actually did actually happen (laughs) um I guess like the kind of big sort of career changing year for me was in 2009 my sort of first year as a senior and I've been doing pretty well I'd like been kind of you know having some good events and like looking like you know I might be you know able to I don't know maybe you know qualify for the London Olympics or if not maybe the Rio Olympics and 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 then I went to the world championships and I finished eighth at them which was way better than my standard at the time like I wasn't I wasn't an eighth in the world standard but I just had six days where I don't know I was just in great form really enjoying my sailing and everything was kind of going my way like which in sailing does have to happen as well you can have weeks where things just kind of go your way you just everything just kind of works out and it actually seems quite easy and then you can have weeks where everything's just not easy and things just don't go your way but yeah that was a week where kind of just everything went my way and I went it was pretty much that changed my sort of my career because I qualified for um for carding money at those world championships and that went from meant it went from that it's basically could only do events that I could either drive to myself or you know somehow sort of scrape together enough money to do them to I was actually going to be given a, a grant to go and compete <laughs> and it sort of also meant I was able to defer my degree in college and try and go full-time because I was like everyone else everyone in the top 50 in the world is full-time mm-hmm. and I was I was like if I want to have any chance to try and qualify for the London Olympics I need to go full-time so I was like I'll go full-time for a year if it's not working out and I'm actually terrible we'll I'll just I'll go back to college and uh and uh, and forget about it but um I had a, I had a really good year my first year sort of full-time and then the 2011 I had probably like my best sort of season of my career I was sort of in the top five or the top 10 in every single event I did and I really just thought I was like it went from it was all happened so quickly it went from you know I don't even know if I'm going to ever be good enough to go to an Olympics to you know two years (laughs) later I was like I'm actually potentially a medal favorite going into the London Olympics like it it happened really quickly for me and and maybe like too easily nearly like it definitely wasn't so easy after that <laughs> but those first like sort of three years of a of a full-time sailing I was just I don't know it's just like this is great I'm, I'm doing great I'm like you know every it was every event was like a bonus um and that was yeah when I was like you know it was suddenly like and I think realizing probably in 2011 I started to realize I was like I'm, I could be good enough to actually be in a chance for a medal in these in the 2012 Olympics not like before I'd always thought I was like if I even you know, if I get to an, an Olympics like London would be to get the experience and then Rio would be where I could maybe win a medal well it was suddenly I was like I actually think this could be a, this could be the Olympics that really suits me where I could actually get a medal so it's um yeah those were kind of <laughs> I don't know, I kind of just rambled there. But. Oh, good. Uh, how, did it, how does it sit with you, like just, or how did it sit with you when you were a medal favourite going into games? Like how did that pressure sit on your shoulders? Um, 
I was actually completely fine with it. And I was kind of under the radar. Like, I don't think like that many people really knew about me because like, I was 22 and no one really knows about sailing anyway. Sure, you know, it's a stupid sport. <laughs> and, um, and when, and when I'd get asked to, like I was doing quite a few interviews and stuff before the Olympics. And when anyone would ask, like my general answer would be, I'd be like, oh, well, I'm just going here to get the Olympic experience. And, you know, hopefully in four years time, I'll be in like flying form for, uh, for 2016. And that was just kind of my answer. And it just, I don't know, you know, I just like, it's kind of, I was pretty happy just to dull down expectations. I kind of had my own expectations of myself, but I was like, there's no need to like, you know, let anyone else know about them. <laughs> and um, yeah, going into London, I was just, I'd, I'd actually rented a house in Weymouth for the six months before the Olympics. And so it was nearly like a home from home. I was just training there the entire time. Like my neighbors were like, were like, they were like, you know, couldn't wait to cheer me on. Like, you know, these sort of English neighbors that I had. Um, and then for the actual Olympics, I just stayed in the house that I was renting because it was a kilometer from the Olympic sailing center. So it just, you know, made sense to, I was like, it was all, it was very normal. It was nearly like doing a little competition in my back garden. And, um, kind of you know you have like I was talking about these like dream scenarios where I was like I'm gonna win every race at the London Olympics <laughs> but like in sailing that's like a golfer being like I'm gonna get a hole in one through all 18 holes you know it's like it's just not it doesn't happen it's like it's a sport where consistency pays off and not taking big risks um, so if you're winning races it might be because you're taking big risks it's actually the per person who's you know come in third and fourth and fifth in all the races they're the one that actually normally sort of end up winning the event and um yeah I went out on the first day and I won both races and <laughs> I was like oh, yeah I'd like I'd been kind of known for like winning races I'd like really good boat speed and I'd won a couple of races on the day during the world championships the year before so like it wasn't really you know I was like, that's grand sure and it was on a race course that I really liked and I knew the second day was going to be on two different race courses one kind of where like under a big hill and the other one was going to be inside Portland Harbour. So I was like, it's going to be a really difficult day. Like, you know, and I'm just going to go and try and have a decent day. And so I went out on the second day and I won both races on the second day. And then like, instead of like, I should have been like, geez, I am class. Like, this is great. <laughs> you know, I am just way better than everyone else. Instead, I was like, ah, <laughs> I basically couldn't sleep the rest night, the, 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 the next night because I was just freaking out so much. Is there and, anything you can do for that? Like, is there anything that you can do mentally to not let that happen? Now, um, with the, the, the uh, benefit of hindsight. I guess, like, none of us were really prepared. Like, Rory and Kate also weren't prepared for how well it was going to go. Like, I think all three of us knew that I had, like, the potential to have, you know, have a good Olympics. And maybe if everything went well, I could maybe be in the hunt for the medals but none of us really expected that I'd just be, and I don't know if I was sailing exceptionally well or if everyone else was kind of had a bit of like Olympics fever and were sailing badly. I was just being normal. And, you know, that was why I was winning all the races. <laughs> but I we learned loads of lessons from, from London, you know, that yeah. was like, but it was, yeah, we just, I guess you just, you know, you just, you don't, you know, you don't take into account what's going to happen. Like we did a load of what ifs, you know, what happens if this, what will you do? You know, who will you tell? 
But like we didn't have a what happens if you win all the races? We actually did do that after that. What happens if you win all the races? What are you going to do? You know, how are you not going to freak out? <laughs> so what's your greatest success then, do you think, Annalise? Um, there's like, I know, like, I feel like I've, I've been really lucky. Like I've had loads of successes in my career, but then when I look at them, I like see all the failures as well. Um, I felt like I, for the Tokyo Olympics, I felt I prepared better for them than any other Olympics, but I don't know if I just didn't have the self-belief or I was just, I wasn't, I don't know. I just, I kind of just, I had such high expectations of what I wanted to achieve. And then when a few little things started going wrong, I couldn't really deal with the fact that, you know, that what I wanted wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think like the silver medal in Rio was, you know, I'm still going to, I'm going to be so proud of it because it was always like, like if you go on like places that suit my sailing style, London, the Weymouth venue really suited my sailing style. It was very similar to going sailing in Dunleary, a similar kind of bay, the similar sort of Southwest prevailing wind, the wind sort of wind, even though it's coming from like a direction, it actually like changes around, like it moves a bit. It, oscillates so and kind of my sort of math mathematical brain really likes sort of problem solving and like under I just understand how sort of wind shifts work and then and it was going to be windy as well which is what I've grown up I've grown Mm -hmm. up in windy weather so that's kind of what I love and then Rio was a light wind venue very difficult um completely foreign you know not like home at all and a lot of people would often tell me like, you know, Rio, you shouldn't like, it's not going to be your kind of games. It's going to be light winds. And in my career, I always like, I struggle because I'm like six foot tall and I'm very strongly built <laughs> that I'd always struggle with being the right weight for the, for the laser. It was kind of something I battled with all the time, but I like worked really hard with a sort of dietitian and, like it was definitely the hardest thing I've done by sort of and I don't know if I could ever put myself into that again of like trying to lose a huge amount of weight to be to know that I could be competitive whether it was windy or light in Rio mm-hmm. and yeah and but I managed to do it like I definitely I think I spent probably the last month before the Olympics like the only conversation topic I had was cake and pizza <laughs> that's all I talked about like the entire time and like I'd be like walking by pastry shops just like staring in the window like um, (laughs) it was it was really like I I I just found like that's like everyone finds something hard and that was what I found hard was like trying to be about 10 kilos less than what my natural body weight was that's a lot um but like the thing is now like at the the time like people didn't even recognize me anymore for those probably like three or four weeks before the olympics they're just like suddenly people jesus is that you at least because i think i just looked a little bit like scary because i was so gaunt and um yeah it was you're kind of i think i just i had like this mission i knew what i had to do but yeah i'm probably like really proud of myself that i actually managed to do it because mm. i don't know if i could do it again Definitely not and yeah and then managing to get through an entire week of like really difficult racing where 
actually everything wasn't going right for me. Like I had bad days and I had ups and downs, but I just kept on fighting every day and I didn't freak out for the entire Olympics. Mm -hmm. And that's, and then to like, you know, you know, someone who doesn't ever think that they're going to be able to win Olympic medals actually managed to win one. Like it's, um, (laughs) it's mad. I do like to think that I'm like, I'm a good example of, you know, that you can do it. <laughs> like, I'm like, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Like, you know, you just, uh, it's, you know, you don't have to be, I don't know. Like, it wasn't like I was a child protege that was, you know, definitely going to be, um, you know, an Olympic medalist. I was just someone who loved being, you know, loved sport and liked competing and stuff. And then kind of found my own way to find out what I was good at and then just, worked and worked and worked and it uh, kind of paid off for me yeah it really did you've had an amazing career what do you think your legacy is going to be um well I hope that um that through Irish the Irish sailors are gonna they're gonna also see you know oh like you know that I was able to do it um and you know at an Olympics that didn't suit me in the laser which is the, the hardest Olympic class that you know, that I was able to do it. So you know, that that it is possible, particularly if you're coming from Ireland when you're up against systems that have huge amounts of money, like the British sailing, like their funding pot, I think it's like three times what all of Sport Ireland's funding is for every sport. Like it's, it's you know, like they're just like you're competing against countries that have these huge, huge budgets. And, but it doesn't mean it's also, it's a kind of sport where it is, it you know you get at the end of the day at the olympics you get supplied your boat so you know you can't have fancy equipment that other mm-hmm. people don't you know you're not going to be missing out on that and um it is just i think i did there's you know there's kind of a whole group of younger sailors coming through now and Eva and eve are in the radial and finn lynch who's been like he's been training with me since i was actually at the london olympics he came second at the world championships last year so like there's like this kind of there's lots to be excited about. Um, and I guess just also just hopefully like, you know, women in sport that, you know, they're, they're like, I was like the fourth Irish woman to win an Olympic medal, which I just thought was like mad. And then like at, at Tokyo, we, <laughs> we doubled it in one day with the women's <laughs> four and rowing and then Kelly in there with her gold medal in, um, in boxing. So, you know, suddenly there's, there's actually now nine Irish women Olympic medalists um, is uh, I think it's a lot to look up to and I think actually in general like Irish sports women are the ones that are really kind of pushing what's possible they're doing like exceptionally well across a range of sports and the importance of having a range of sports because everyone isn't going to be good at you know there isn't going to be a box that everyone's going to fit into it's great that you know that someone's able to see like oh, I can be like Leona and play golf or Alice and sail or Kelly and be a boxer or Afra can be a rower. Like, you know, it's, there's, there's, there's so many different options. And I think it is important to have those sort of role models in all those different sports because it's, you know, it's one of the greatest things you can do in life is, you know, play sports, whether it's, very seriously or just for pure enjoyment you know it's where I've made all my like 
you know, best friends are in sport and all the life lessons, like sport teaches you life lessons from very early on. It teaches you how to lose because you're not going to win everything in life. Like it's not going to be easy. And sport teaches you that pretty much straight away that you can't just win. You know, it's, there's always going to be someone that's probably going to be better than you. (laughs) And, you know, that's okay. Um, It teaches you to like, you know, have some kind of discipline, be able to just accountable and show up for things, you know, show up for training or if you're on a team that you're showing up because you need to be part of that team. And, you know, just also being outside and being healthy. And it's, um, yeah, I like love it. Like I did a mountain bike race last weekend and then two weekends ago and I did a marathon last weekend. Like I'm just like still addicted to sports. So, yeah. So what's next for you then, Annalise? Do you have a plan? Um, so I'm going to try and finish this year. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll manage to creep <laughs> on by and uh, get get through the masters. Um, this next term is is pretty intense, but um, it's also yeah, I'm learning lots of stuff. So it's it is it's interesting, and um, I've been doing loads of cycling. So I'm going to continue. I'll probably try and race a bit more on my bike this year because um because I'm I don't know I kind of still want to do something competitive and mm. I found that I'm good at good at cycling so <laughs> it's um I'll kind of continue uh, I'll try and race in the sort of different sort of uh, there's like leagues there's crit leagues and I'll continue doing a bit of mountain biking stuff um and then I need to get back in a boat so I think that's like I really miss it but I also like the Olympics like really broke my heart <laughs> um for sport that like I've never spent more than probably maybe a week not sailing I've um I've only actually been on the water three times since the Olympics and I do I do miss it but I just I also just needed to give myself a little break from it because I'd put so much effort into it and I don't know if I I don't know if I'm ready to go back and do it competitively or just maybe just get back out on the water for fun. I haven't really figured that out yet. Um, yeah, I think that's the problem with sport. Like, even though you get those, like, you know, I'm able to like look back and be like, oh yeah, like I had some really great points in my career. Like, it's always like the like the bad points that just like always. stay in your memory. <laughs> Particularly if it's like the last thing that's happened is a. Uh, is me sort of making a mess of the Olympics, but it's um I think I still think it taught me loads of lessons, you know. Like I don't it's <laughs> I think um, you're very hard on yourself as well. It's the Olympics. It's you know, even getting there is amazing. You've won a medal there, you have turned up every single time and you've also educated so many people about sailing and helped change the landscape for women's sport as well by all the time being there front and centre and just been a role model for people. But it's it's just amazing that you still look at the things that you didn't do as opposed to the things that you did do. Yeah, I think it's probably just, yeah, that's just the way it is. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the old Winter Olympics, like I don't know if I should have actually watched them so much. I was just like, whenever I see someone that likes things will go wrong, but I was like, I feel for them. <laughs> 
well, look, you can definitely look back on your career, maybe not right now, maybe in a few years time when you have processed everything and be so, so proud. Thank you so much, Annalise, for coming on this podcast and also just for everything that you've done over the last 15 years. It's been a joy to watch you. I think you will definitely have informed so many people around the country about sailing and got them really interested in it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do next as well, because seeing and hearing how competitive you are, I'd say there's still something in there um, for you. So thank you so much. And thanks everybody as well for watching and listening. Please like, subscribe and leave a review.